You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Um, like Gail said, you know, when Ben said, oh, you know, preaching Richmond this summer, I was like, oh, I'm not sure about that. That's a bit, a bit scary. Uh, and he joked and he said, don't worry, um, 85% of the people there are nice people. <laughs> so I said, I've only got to worry about the 15% then. So I prayed this morning that the 15% would stay and watch the football. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but there are plenty of times in my life when I get myself into some sticky predicaments, and it's very hard to get yourself out, isn't it? I remember many years ago, when I was a lot younger, a lot slimmer, um, I agreed to go rock climbing. This is a bit of a crazy decision on my part. You know, I'm not terribly good with heights, something my son and I have got in common. Um, And I've not got much upper body strength. So why on earth I thought it was a good idea? I don't know. But, But I went along and I went with my dad and my brother and a couple of my brother's friends. So I was absolutely determined not to make a fool of myself. Uh, And it was all going really quite well until I got to a point where, you know, there's a little bit of an outcrop in the rock and you have to kind of navigate yourself around. And somehow I managed to get myself so that my feet and my hands were about the same level. And that's never, that's never a good idea. Your Your center of gravity, namely my bum, was completely in the wrong place. I was hanging off this rock. And, um, all siblings in the room will understand this, but I, um, I started, I was laughing with everybody because it was pretty ridiculous until I got to a certain point in the moment of realisation when I thought, you know what, I can't get out of this. I can't pull myself up and I certainly haven't got the courage just to let go and trust the rope. So um, I had to um, bite my pride and I said to my brother, I need your help. So up he came and gave me a very unceremonious shove up the bum to get me into the right position. Um, And this morning, we're going to talk about somebody who was used to being very powerful and who uh, needed the help of Jesus. So uh, we're just going to read that together now. Um, We're looking at Matthew 8. We've got to Matthew 8. I don't know about you. I've been loving this month in Matthew. Um, The devotions have been brilliant. They're just the the words on Sunday. It's been so good. Anyway, so today, um, the title um, of This message is the faith of the centurion, but it could be, what do you do when you get yourself in a predicament? Okay, so Matthew 8, we're reading verses 5 to 30. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself are a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, 
he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the servants of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. A little while ago, I think it was Colleen said that she really visualizes when she reads scriptures. And I'm much the same. And I have this, uh, it says Jesus had just entered Capernaum. I don't know if you've been out to work or you've been somewhere, particularly if you're a parent and you walk straight through the door and there's somebody in front of you saying, where's this, where's that, what's happening about this? And I kind of have that impression that Jesus had just entered the city and there's the centurion right there. It may well have been nothing like that, but I just have that picture in my head. And um, I don't know what news the people had heard about this man, Jesus. Uh, He was the talk of the town, evidently. The people have heard of his teachings and his miraculous healings. And today, I guess it would have been the equivalent of being all over the socials, isn't it? You know, everybody would, this name would have been on everybody's lips. The centurion was a Roman military officer over about 100 soldiers. And he was not your usual candidate to have dealings with a traveling Jewish rabbi. Um, However, Jesus had come to his attention somehow. The centurion was a man of power and influence, but he was in a situation that he couldn't do anything about. He must have felt um, at sea. And sometimes we feel like that, don't we? When, when we're in control and everything's kind of going okay, and then something comes along and just knocks us off course. His servant was paralyzed and sick. And in the parallel account in the book of Luke, Uh, It says that he was dying. This tells us something about this centurion straight away. One, that he was obviously a good master. He cared for his servants. He had a good relationship with this man who was suffering, and he wanted to do something about it. Um, And it tells us that he was humble enough to do whatever it took. Um, Somehow, he um, recognized the authority of Jesus. He didn't go to appeal to Caesar, who was like the supreme authority at that time. He knew that it was Jesus that could make a difference. It's really amazing when you think about it. And I think this is one of the things that amazed Jesus, that he was a Gentile. He had not grown up in the synagogues with the teaching of the rabbis. He didn't know the scriptures as far as we know. But somehow he, before the people of Israel and even before the disciples themselves, recognized the authority of Jesus and who he was. The centurion approached Jesus, not for personal gain, but out of love for his servant. That was his motivation. That was his driving force. 
his life would have gone on perfectly okay without that servant. I'm quite sure he'd find a replacement, wouldn't he? But he had love for him and wanted to see him healed. And this tells us that we, as Jesus followers, can approach Jesus with our faith and with our compassion for others. And we can elicit a response from him. How awesome is that, that the creator of the heaven and earth is moved by us when we approach, when we approach him. Some people say, oh, God can heal whatever, whether we ask him or not, of course he can. But there is something about that relationship that he loves us to come. He loves us to come and, and not because we're worthy, but because of who he is and because we recognize who he is. The centurion bases his faith and his understanding of authority because he knew about that chain of command. He knew that when his superiors said to him, do something, he did it. He knew that when he said to those under him, go and do it, they did it. He recognized who Jesus is and that he had the ultimate authority over all things. And he just needed to say the word and it would be done. The Greek word here is um, exousia for authority. There's often a word in, in the Gospels used for power, dunamis. But authority is not the same as power. It's more than that. You know, as a social worker, I have some influence, not a lot of power, but I certainly don't have authority so I might go into a home and be really concerned about the welfare of the children in, in that home. But I don't have authority just to go in and move those children out of the care of their parents, despite what you might see on soap operas and things like that. Um, actually, the only person that has authority to do that is a judge in the court of law. Police can do it on a temporary basis, just in case there's anyone in the know. I do know that. But, but ultimately... A judge is the only one who has both the power and the authority. And we think about kings, modern kings, don't really have that now, do they? Because it's been delegated into democratic society. But Jesus is very different. He's the king of kings, but he's different. Um, we read in John 3.35, what the father has authority to do Jesus has the authority to do. He said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. In Isaiah 9, 6, it was prophesied that he would have oversight and governance of all the affairs of history. And in Revelation 17, it cries out, he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And the centurion somehow recognized some of this. He realized that he had both the power because he'd heard the stories about the miraculous healings. He has the power, but he also has the position. He has that position, and Jesus was astonished, amazed. The verb that's used here is only used one other time, and it's when Jesus was amazed at the lack of faith in his hometown. It shows you that faith moves Jesus. Faith is the thing that causes him to be amazed. Absolutely extraordinary. 
And it was the faith of the, by the faith of the centurion that the servant was healed. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus said it was a centurion's faith that made his servant well again, that he responded to. You know, there's been lots of damage done by telling people who are sick that they don't have the faith or they um, have sinned in some way. And um, actually, Jesus here doesn't, we don't know anything about this servant. We don't know if he's a righteous man. We don't know, uh, you know, if he went to synagogue every day or what, we don't know anything about him. Jesus focused on the centurion's faith. It's really interesting that there's nowhere that I can think of, correct me if I'm wrong, where Jesus actually challenges and says, ye of little faith to somebody who has sickness. But he said it several times to the disciples, ye of little faith. And I wonder, is Jesus amazed at our faith? Here at Influence Church in Richmond, is he amazed? I think he might be. I hear lots going on, and I think he might be. But it's a challenge, isn't it? You know, we can often say amen to the, he's the Lord of lords, and he's the king of kings, and he has all authority. But um, sometimes our lives don't always line up with what we believe. You know, is Jesus the first port of call when something goes pear-shaped, you know, are you on Facebook? Do you pick up your phone to your mum? That's my usual one. <laughs> you know, where do you go? Is Jesus your first port of call? Do you believe he's the one that just has to say the word and things will change? Are we confident that he will do what seems impossible? You know, the day before I was given this passage to prepare uh, for today, um, I heard the news that somebody I know had been in a serious car accident and had um, suffered serious life-changing spinal cord injuries. And then here I was reading about a paralyzed servant. Uh, you know, God, he, he speaks, doesn't he? And he really, I, I, it really pulled me up. And straight away when I heard the news about that accident, I interceded. But if I'm really honest, did I expect that God would heal her? Maybe not. And if not, why not? You know, we've got so much more than the centurion at our disposal, haven't we? We've got the word of God. We've got all the scripture. We've got the testimonies of the, the saints in the past. Our, you know, we've got everybody here, each other's testimonies. We've got our own testimonies of what God has done. And yet, we do not always grasp and hold on to Jesus' authority and his love for us. Sometimes we need to press reset. Have you ever done that with something? You know, you need to go back to the factory settings. So you press reset. And I think when we become Christians, when we're new Christians, um, perhaps a bit like the centurion who hasn't got all of that background, um, we take Jesus at his word. And sometimes life gets in the way and we need to do a bit of a reset on our faith and our understanding of the authority of Jesus. You know, in the Gospels, we read 19, we see 19 specific miraculous healings of Jesus. And that's in three and a half years of ministry. But we're also told that he did many other 
miraculous healing. So he, he, he was in the business of healing, wasn't he? That was part of his ministry. And he had authority. In Mark 11, he spoke to the fig tree and it withered. Later on in Matthew 8, when we read on, he calmed the winds and the waves at his word. You know, we have all these things we've, we've heard in kids' church over the years, but really take that in. He just spoke to the waves and they obeyed him. You know, he cast out demons. He raised the dead. He himself rose from the dead. This is our Jesus. In this room, we could go round and there would be many, many testimonies. We wouldn't have enough time, would we, to hear all that God had done. You know, um, and it's so good, isn't it, to tell people. It's not boasting. We're boasting in Jesus. We're boasting in who he is. Things we can't do and he has done for us. We're talking a lot about healing here, but there's so many other ways in which God says the word and things change in our lives. You know, as I was thinking and preparing, you know, I could say so much, but just a couple of things stood out to me. I've seen him heal broken bones. I've seen him cause a deaf man to hear. I know people who have been healed from cancer and multiple sclerosis. A girl in my family, we have the Christmas miracle in our family. Um, she has disabilities and she was very, very sick. And uh, they decided to turn off her life support machine and said uh, she would pass away within 30 minutes. She lived for another eight years. You know, I know those who have been freed from addictions. I know those who have received emotional healing after abuse. This is our Jesus. And we could go on and on and on and on. You know, not Satan nor viruses or bacteria or damaged Organs in our bodies are sovereign in this world. Jesus is. So what does this confidence unleash in us that believe? You know, I believe it should unleash a torrent of hope-filled prayers for Jesus Christ to do what only he can do. We pray because he's sovereign and nothing is too hard for him. Jesus responded to the centurion's faith in humility, and of the servant's suffering. And Jesus said, I will come to your house and I will heal. And he still says the same thing. I will come to your house and I will heal. He has the power, he has the position, and he has the willingness because he loves us. You know, in Hebrews 11, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Often when we say, what is faith? And, we, and we, might, we might quote this. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. And that is totally true. It's scripture. Um, but ultimately, it's a trust in the authority of Jesus. What does the centurion tell us about our posture? What do we need to do in the worst times of our lives? We need to come with humility, not yet banned, thank you. <laughs> i got a little bit more. <laughs> uh, come with faith and expectancy. You know, and if we're honest, that's not always easy to do, is it? You know, because if you've been a Christian for any length of time, like I said, we sometimes need to do that factory reset. Because what happens is, there are times when we cry out to Jesus and someone is not healed. We cry out to Jesus for somebody we love and... 
he doesn't intervene in the way that we hope. And we kind of cry out, don't we, that why? What, Jesus, why? We know you can, but you don't. And so how do we respond? We can respond by being disappointed and hurt, which we often are. We can be angry and we can shake our fist at heaven. We can withdraw a little. Sometimes people walk away from God. Most often, we just stop asking because our faith becomes a bit diminished. And we have a choice in those moments, those seasons of our lives. God is always kingdom-minded and he's always sovereign. His focus is what is going to most effectively build his kingdom in us and through us and in his world. And it might be that the miracle that you need at that time is not the one that you ask for. The miracle might be that you find his presence and his peace and his joy in the midst of difficulties and of suffering. You know, there's countless accounts in church history, isn't there, of those who have suffered and it's brought comfort to millions. Um, We know that the suffering and persecution, you know, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Jesus doesn't always take away suffering. And it's a question that, will, that is so deep within us, isn't it? But we know that God cares. We know that he loves. And as was so effectively communicated by Mark Varaghese at Rise, if you were here, when he had that rope. You know, our lives are just that red dot, that little little thing. And sometimes we don't have the perspective of heaven. We need an eternity perspective. You know, Tim and Sharon were talking about that last week, if you were here uh, so wonderfully. But we know that one day he will wipe away every tear. Death will be no more. There'll be no more mourning or crying because uh, the former things will pass away. We know the end of the story, don't we? We know what's coming. I recently heard of a Christian woman who was, had terminal cancer, and lots of people were praying for her. Um, and she was miraculously healed. She herself admitted that she was a little disappointed. In her suffering, in the valley, valley of the shadow of death, She had become so close to Jesus. She had become so intimate with him that she couldn't wait to meet him. That's the true perspective, isn't it, of of eternity. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's not to minimize suffering in in any way. You know, God's not the author of suffering. We need to respond to suffering with compassion. We need to pray fervently. Uh, but God calls us to a faith that is built on the understanding of his sovereignty, a faith that he is able and willing to heal, but also trusts that he can strengthen and sustain us in all things. I read a book many years ago by a lady called Jennifer Rees Larkham. Uh, it was called Turning Point, and I'd recommend it to anyone who feels that her life is a bit broken. Um, and it's an amazing testimony that she has. She, she uh, became ill with uh, encephalitis. She was incredibly sick. She was a mother to six children. She had a near-death experience, um, and... Um, She was bedridden, uh, later recovered a little bit, and she was in a wheelchair 
she says for the first two years, she was really angry at God. And then there was a turning point, hence the name of the book, when she encountered the love of Jesus in a way that she hadn't before. And she came to a place of acceptance. Over the years, lots of people prayed for her. You know, she was still uh, wheelchair bound. And after eight years, she was speaking at a ladies' meeting, and there was a new Christian in, kind of in the front row, and she started to heckle. You know, not quite the done thing at a ladies' thing. Take note, anyone that comes in October. Um, um, but this new Christian just said what she was thinking out loud. And she said, I read the Gospels. I know Jesus heals. So how come you're still in that wheelchair? I mean, you can imagine the moment, can't you? And everybody kind of brushing over it and moving on. But Jennifer actually recognized that she had the faith of the centurion that she just knew that Jesus just had to say the word. So she, she asked afterwards for this new Christian to pray for her. And the new Christian said, I don't know how to pray. I've literally, I've only been a Christian a week. I don't, I don't know how to pray. Don't ask me to pray for somebody to get out of a wheelchair. And she said, you pray. And so she prayed a simple prayer, something like Jesus heal her. And Jennifer got out of the wheelchair and, and fully recovered. You know, we, we don't know why all those people that had prayed before And she wasn't healed, you know? What we do know is we're not called to be passive. You know, central to Christianity is life and victory over the world, the flesh and the devil. You know, it's not a religion of suffering and death. That's not what the gospel is about, is it? We need to choose faith and keep praying and keep believing that Jesus can and does do the impossible You know, failure to exercise faith is failure to recognize Jesus for who he truly is. And that failure will mean that God will not be able to use us to do what otherwise he could have done through us. And that's a serious thing, isn't it? That should should bring us up short, really. What God can do in and through our lives will be curtailed uh, if we do not choose faith. The legacy of the centurion's faith was that his servant's life was changed and saved forever. What will be the legacy of our faith? We've already heard, haven't we? I just love how, you know, when we have a church service, all these things weave together, don't we? We've heard from Pat and David, you know, about um, the legacy of their faith is here, us, here, and what's going on now, what Jesus is doing. You know, let's keep believing, keep praying, keep trusting. Um, and remember, it's never our works or our worthiness that amazes Jesus. It is our faith. Everything is possible for him who believes. Read that in Mark 9. Everything is possible. In James 5, we're told, if, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and raise them up. It would be remiss of us today not to be obedient to that. So there's going to be an opportunity. If you are sick, um, physically, emotionally, and you would like the ministry team to pray for you and anoint you with oil. We're going to do that this morning. So in the, in the usual way, after the service, the ministry team will be over here. But do come. If you, you know, even if you feel you haven't got faith yourself, 
Remember, it was the centurion's faith, wasn't it? So, so come, keep coming, keep asking, keep seeking God. And, and we will, we'd love to pray with you afterwards. There will be some people here who perhaps like the centurion have heard about Jesus, but wouldn't yet call themselves a Jesus follower. So while everybody's eyes are closed, if you feel that you need to invite Jesus to come and be the Lord of your life, take this moment, step out in faith this morning. Just raise your hand and then somebody will come after it, afterwards and, and just speak to you briefly. Thank you. The rest of us, shall we stand and pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are, for your sovereignty, for your power, for your love. Please forgive us for our lack of faith in your power, your position, and your willingness. We recognize that we're like that man who says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Please, will you stir up faith in our hearts again and usher in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.